Hi, I'm Rod. Was a joke I made after Killer Dartmouth Toke of some I primo Ivy League smoke, which apparently caused me to croak because in mental hospital I awoke with Rumi Gabriel's a main bloke who did my delusions angelically stroke, while doctor claimed my brain broke the moment the lying gag I spoke, testifying I was only big quack, which clinicians diagnosed a psychotic attack preventing me from getting sanity back until I came to TNAC Hackensack to pursue resident therapy program track and deal with my evident lack of reason among psychiatric patient pack who never gave me any slack. Under interrogation, the story didn't crack. Have you ever in your adult life looked at yourself in the mirror and said, what am I doing with my life? Well, you're not alone. No matter if you suffered from trauma, depression, anxiety, or feel stuck in your current situation like I did in the past, or are a super achiever, we all get to a place where we start hearing the ticking sound of life passing by, realizing at that moment that there has to be more to life than what there currently is. And all of a sudden the who am I and what am I doing with my life questions come up, and that is usually the moment where we start to crave for more. That is the moment we start to crave for a sense of purpose. Join me and my inspiring guest on our journey to helping people just like you to find themselves, find their purpose, and not only break through whatever is holding them back from the life they always dreamed about, but also to develop the resilience, the mindset, and get the capabilities needed to turn those dreams into reality and to become the artists of their life. I am Rodolfo D'Angeli, and I welcome you to Life Artist Radio. Welcome to another episode of Life Artist Radio. I am your host, Rodolfo D'Angeli, and my guest today is Dale Walsh, a poet, a mental health coach for families affected by schizophrenia, who has himself been on a 46-year journey with a condition that began in the Dartmouth College and has landed him on Hackensack, New Jersey, his entire life. You can find him on Facebook and Messenger under Dale Walsh from Hackensack on IG or Instagram, dale.walsh.14 on YouTube, on MH Warrior TV, Straight Sane and Sober with Dale Walsh, and on his website, dalewalsh.com. And here it is. All the way from Hackensack, New Jersey, Del Walsh, welcome to Life Artist Radio. Unbelievable. Super excited to speak with you today. I am so happy to be here, Rodolfo, and your enthusiasm is infectious. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. It's early in the morning here for me. I mean, not super early, but it's 10 a.m. So if I don't start the day like that, what's going to be the end of it, right? <laughs> so you got to – Catch the bull by the horns, otherwise they're not gonna work, right? Um, right. But man, it's it's so great to have you. And and you know, every time when I when I read, you know, the questions that are answered by by the guests and so on, you know, I I I already at that moment I start this journey with a new human being, and 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 when we then gather here on the show, you know, I, I'm excited to hear how you got here, how the people. What did they go through? What did they learn? What did they have to share? And so on. So <clears throat> I'm always super, super excited every time I am on the show. But today you're bringing something very, very special 
which um, I don't think I had on the show before. So <clears throat> if you wish, Dale, if you wish to bring us on a little journey of your life, of Dale Walsh, of where it all started, what happened, and so on and so forth, and how did we get to today? Obviously, along the way, we're going to have some questions. But if you wish, bringing on this journey of the life artist that you are and, um, and see what comes out of this. Uh, well, uh, actually, it, it is a rather vast uh, scope of the United States. I was born in Midland, Texas, and uh, my mother divorced when I was one and remarried. So I moved to Abilene, Texas. And then uh, I, I, I grew up, I had an idyllic uh, childhood in Abilene. I, I had like the only pool in my neighborhood. And so my mother would buy like like a soda, every you know, cases of soda. And it was in the middle of the baby boom. So there were like 20 people within 20 like peers within a three block period, you know, area. And they would all come to my house on uh, uh, every day during the summer and use my pool and drink my sodas. And we trade play baseball cards and play ping pong. And that was the uh, first part of my life. Oh my God, that sounds like an exciting life, my friend. I wish, I wish I had a pool. I wish I had a mother and a father, by the way. <laughs> but man, that sounds like super exciting. So, so then what happened was my mother got divorced again, and I got sort of like snatched out of New Abilene, Texas, and I got put in the middle of Midtown Manhattan in New York City, oh. and uh, so. Uh, basically, I, you know, I had a new father. My mother, my mother was always there, uh, and she. One, one, one thing she did was she always made sure that I, that me and my sister had a father. So, you know, God bless her and rest in peace. But uh, so I, I moved to New York City, and we we were basically part of high society. My father was like a very successful Wall Street lawyer, corporate lawyer. And so I went to boarding school uh, at the age of 14. Uh, I, I spent four years at boarding school. And of my entering class of 109 freshmen, only 52 graduated. That, that's oh. how tough school was. And uh, then I went to Dartmouth College. And that's where my, the, the journey of my schizophrenia really started. Wow, wow, wow. So how old were you then? Uh, well, I, I entered Dartmouth uh, on my 19 when I was 19, 19. and uh, my, my my problem started when I was 20. Yeah, wow. Would you would you like to bring me on that journey? Like now, you're you know everything has been well. You had an amazing childhood. Yes, mother got divorced and and so on. But it seems like you know they she looked after you in the best way possible. Lots of fun there, but. Obviously, also, you know, the challenges of, you know, a new parent, you know, a new father coming on, new father figure, I wish I uh, should say. You know, I remember myself growing up with foster parents. He became my father because he, he, he was, he, uh, I always used to say, actually, he was the Iran Contra Independent Council. So, uh, Lawrence Walsh, but he, uh, he had more heart than any man I've ever known in my life. He, he was a wow. great father. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so then you are, so now you're 19, 20 years old and now what happened? Like what was, what did you feel was happening with you? What, what changed or how did that journey of schizophrenia starting to happen in your life? Well, it actually began my senior year at high school in my boarding school when I started getting into marijuana and LSD and this was back in the 70s. So, uh, you know, the, it, the drug culture was like very prevalent and I got into the drug culture. And uh, so I, I went to Dartmouth after Exeter and uh, I, I, I was I was smoking pot and very high high powered pot. Uh, and doing dr and doing hallucinogenics. I never really got into cocaine at all, but everything else and never heroin, you know. But uh, other than that, I was doing everything I could. And I was I I had a very successful freshman year. I had like a A plus A minus B plus A minus average in upper level courses because my high school had like prepared me very well for college. So, but then in the summer, I escalated my use of drugs. And the one of the tipping points was, uh, was I got an offer to become a Frisbee pro to Central America. So oh. I, I was always like very good at Frisbee. So I got this offer and I just said, you know, forget school. I'm going to just do drugs and uh, do drugs. <laughs> <and play frisbee>. <laughs> <laughs> What a legend, dude. What a legend. <laughs> I mean, you know, the story is obviously has a fun to it, but obviously the pain that then came from it, I guess it's uh, it's not not that fun. But I like you to to bring me through that, that young man, you know, that 20, 21 now, 22 um, and, you know, he's good at school, but now he's experiencing, you know, LSD and pot and, and, and now he's, he's asked to play Frisbee professional level. And, but, you know, did, did schizophrenia, the symptoms of schizophrenia started already or did they come eventually along the way? How did that process go? Uh -huh. Well, well, I say my my real schizophrenic uh, journey began on, on my twenty at the on the cusp of my twentieth birthday because I turned twenty years old on May twenty fourth, nineteen seventy five, and it began at, at exactly midnight at May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy five. There began a full lunar eclipse, and uh, I took this. I, I was at the highest point in Dartmouth College smoking a joint and watching this eclipse and i said this means i have to go crazy for 10 years and i did but basically that that was like that that was like the uh prophetic the self-fulfilling prophecy so basically two months later i was walking around dartmouth campus telling everybody I, I had i came up with what i thought was a great joke the joke was hi i'm god and then I would see how long it was before I burst into hysterical laughter because how could God be five foot eight? And I oh, thought it was like I, I thought it was like the best uh, joke I could I, I'd ever come up with, you know. So uh, after like walking around campus for like three days telling everybody my joke and everybody's freaking out and 
So I, uh, the campus cops came in and they said, uh, as I was lighting a bowl of hash, and then they said, are you Dale? And I said, yes. And they said, would you come with us? I said, sure, because I thought they were going to take me to meet the president of the university because I figured out I was God. But instead, they took me to the infirmary. And after being, being shot full of drugs in the infirmary, uh, three days later, I was in a mental hospital in New York City with a roommate named Gabriel. God, this is crazy. That's just part of the story, Rodolfo, because Gabriel was very deferential towards my mother, Mary, <laughs> whose second husband's name was Joseph, and who ultimately married the judge. <laughs> oh, my freaking God. That's amazing, dude. Oh, my God. What a story, dude. Oh, my goodness. This is freaking funny, man. Oh, God. Until I got put on a locked ward, you know, but uh, so, but, but basically, uh, what I, I, I actually recently wrote a book about what happened to Dartmouth and it's being edited now. And uh, hopefully it's going to be out before the end of the year. The title of the book that I want to, I want is Escape from the Ivy League. How becoming God changed my life. Yeah, wow, that's a great freaking title. That is a freaking great title, man. That is cool. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Now, obviously, right, we're having a lot of fun and your story is amazing and everything like that. But this, <clears throat> for anyone listening here, you know, we're not making fun at all about, you know, uh, any mental illnesses or, or nothing like that at all. Um, but you know, life is like that, right? Life is freaking has, has a sense of humor, right? Right. Life has a sense of humor. And if we can see this all of a sudden now listening to your story, you know, obviously, you know, the story will, you know, I'm pretty sure it escalates eventually, but, um, you know, everything starts from a moment For some, it's agony. For some, it's total fun. It can start in different ways altogether, right? But um, so, so keep going with your story. Just I mean, I mean, I'm like, I mean, okay, well, I want to know so everything. Right? Here, here I was. Uh, so what? What? What happened was my mother had always been like very obsessed with psychiatrists. So when uh, when when I when I came to New York. I spent the night with my parents. They didn't ask me anything. They, they, they just like basically put me to bed. And uh, so the next morning we went to this, the, to this nice building and next to New York hospital. And I, I met a doctor named Dr. Cohane, who I call cocaine Cohane. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> he, he, he puts this paper in front of me and says, could you sign this? And I look at my mother and she says, sign it. So I sign it and everybody gets up to leave and uh, my parents go left and I go left to follow them. And Dr. Cohane goes, no deal. You come with me. And that, that, that was the begin that was the beginning of my first hospitalization. So oh, wow. uh, they, they, they put me, they brought me up to uh, the seventh floor, a locked ward. 
and started feeding me a Thorazine, which I don't know if you're familiar, but it's like, you know, it was like the, uh, it's like one of the, um, it was like the drug of choice for doctors to prescribe for schizophrenia and antipsychosis. And uh, so basically I, I was in the hospital for 13 weeks and um, the, 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 pivotal point of my hospitalization was I would say, Dr. Cohen, I'd say, why am I here? There's nothing wrong with me. And he'd say, well, if you broke your leg, Dale, you come to the hospital, right? I'd say, right. And he'd say, well, you broke your brain. And that, 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 that followed me for 35 years, that, that idea of the broken brain and, you know, and, and back, back when this was happening, you know, psychiatry was basically in the dark ages, you know, I mean, in the intervening 46 years, there's been so much research and, and everything on, on mental illness and everything. But basically, you know, when, when I was, when I was diagnosed, the, the only hope for schizophrenics was just like to not be in an institution for the rest of your life. So um, that, that, that's where it stood when, uh, I left the hospital and then I came to Hackensack and I had a, uh, I, I went to a mental or a psychiatric program for young adults and uh, adolescents. And I was in there for five years. Wow. Man. So they, so they put you in the, in, in the, they, they, they hospitalized you and they left you there first for 13 weeks and then eventually for five years? No, I, they, I, I got out of the hospital and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I, I, I actually worked at Macy's at, at Herald Square for, for the Christmas season because my doctor and my parents wanted me to, do, to work. But Dartmouth right. said I couldn't come back for a year because of the reason I, uh, because of the way I, I'd left. So uh, I had to find something to do for a year and I fully intended to go back to Dartmouth, but my mother discovered this program under the guidance of a Dr. Buonanno. And uh, so she said, everybody like was putting a lot of pressure on me to go to the program and I finally gave in. And they said I'd be, I'd be there for six months and it's been 46 years in Hackensack so far. Wow. Man. So uh, how old were you then? I, was, I, I turned 21 in, uh, in Hackensack Hospital. Because oh I, 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 got, I, I was hospitalized nine times in those five years in the program. And I spent my 21st year in the mental hospital. Wow. What did they say the cause was? Did they relate the cause of the schizophrenia because you were doing the LSD well, and pot and whatever? It was, drugs. it was partly drugs. There was partly pre, uh, by, uh, genetic predisposition because my mother had a history of mental illness. But basically the drugs, you know, I mean, Dr. Cohen would say, you know, you you can smoke pot till it comes out of your ears, Dale, but never do LSD again. So he was basically implying that the LSD is the, was the tipping agent. So uh, 
but when I got to the program, then marijuana became the big enemy. Okay, I see. I see. So I, I, I insisted on doing marijuana every day. So, and which is why my doctor would put me in the hospital so much. <laughs> 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 what happened to the frisbee career? Uh, it, it, it got preempted as soon as they took me away from Dartmouth. <laughs> Tell me now, right? Now you're in your 20s. Now you're going through this new journey, right? How was it? Like, as much as, you know, it, it sounds, you know, what we're doing here, it sounds, you know, I mean, it's quite serious, right? You've been hospitalized, everything, so on. They're telling you that your brain is broken, which makes you believe a certain thing now. So how was that process for a young man that is trying to, you know, live his own life, obviously, but is in and out of mental, uh, you know, well, hospitals and going through all the this? How is that? The, the, the most positive thing about the program was uh, I was surrounded by beautiful young girls. It was a co-educational co co program, and uh, there, there were some, like some very hot women. You know, of course, of course we, we, we couldn't have sexual relationships with them because that was against the rules. But still, uh, at one point, uh, we, we would go on summer trips to uh, – we went to Italy twice – in Mexico once and on one Italy trip there were 10 beautiful women under the age of 25 and three men under the age of 25 and so that that was like a very positive thing about the program you know because you, you could always talk to a beautiful girl you know but uh, the, 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 the drawbacks to the program were that uh, you know the restriction uh, well, it, it was a pretty open open program, but you know, it was just like it would be a it was an atmosphere of like such intensive therapy that it would become claustrophobic for me, and I would go to the hospital just to get just to meet new people and to get out of that atmosphere of like intensive therapy because I was seeing the doctors three times a week. I had group therapy twice a week for two for an hour and a half each, and you know it, it was almost an incestuous uh, situation because the, the 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 group was like so close to each other all the time that you know it, it was just it, for a social person like me, uh, you know it was just like overwhelming, and I I just go to the hospital to meet people and you know and and. The hospital wasn't always pleasant, but uh, I, I I considered the hospital the the uh, bridge of my spaceship. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I got to tell you something, Dale. I, I really got to do this right now because we're talking about such you know, and he, uh, it's like you know, we're talking about mental illness and 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 overcoming adversity and you know, beliefs that society can put into your mind about, you know, like you said, you know, your, your brain, you just broke your brain and kind of all this kind of stuff, which is overwhelming for any person in the world, right? But, you know, I, I got to salute you 
I, I, I have to acknowledge you because you're bringing today, obviously, you know, today you, you went through all of this, which this story, I can't even wait to keep hearing it, but you have learned so much. You went through a lot and you have overcome a lot. And today you're able to make fun about it all. You know, I believe to heal, that is paramount to be able to, you know, see some fun that was a part of this journey as well. Oftentimes people just focus on the agony. And actually I was one of those as well in the agony and all the things that didn't work out and this, that, the other. But right now you sharing your story makes me, makes me remember parts in my life where I was completely out of control and, and I had a ton of you fun. Had a great time. I never can think about those things. So you're teaching me here a big, huge lesson, my dear friend. And I really appreciate you. I really, really do. And I hope anybody that is listening to this or watching this can remember, even in the times of the biggest challenges, there is always some time somewhere that has been fun and that we might have done things that we will never do again today. Who knows? And for that, right. I really appreciate you, man. Well, I, I really my, my, Dr. Bonanno actually called, called my illness a psychotic bliss. That was his official diagnosis until I applied for disability and I found out I was a paranoid schizophrenic schizoaffective, but I never knew that diagnosis. He just said, Dale, you suffer from psychotic bliss and you have Dale. to quit being happy. <laughs> oh my God. What a st listen, I do, I do part of my work, you know, I'm a coach. Uh, on on my everyday life, I'm I am a coach, but part of my own healing, um, you know, I I um, I'm not sure if you read a little bit about me, but in 2010, I I had an attempted suicide, and um, you know, due to anxiety, depression, and so on, and one of my he I guess the biggest part of my healing journey has um, has come through shamanism. Okay, so I am familiar with very powerful antigens that um, that I have taken to heal and to you know go through my own journey. My 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 journey like that was in South America, and today this is what I do. Part of my work, a part of being a coach, I also practice uh, ancient Andean shamanism, and so I know very well the state of you know. Um, that feeling of of uh, connectiveness to to the all, to everything that is around us, and so on and so forth. And actually, um, I think it was about two years ago. I had a person come to us. Actually, slipped through our scrutineering because because uh, we are really really anal about who we let into our program because it is very powerful. And so we got to make sure that people are are ready for for things like that. But one person slipped right through because it came through a person that, that I knew and he came recommended. And even though I asked the, the questions and everything like that, they were not answered um, honestly. And long story short, the person 
suffering, was suffering from schizophrenia. And thank God for my training and everything like that. Uh, there was an intuition there that actually didn't give him much at all, probably to a to an everyday person that wouldn't even feel the effect of the medicine. But um, obviously he did a little bit. And I want to say here how how it is dangerous to 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 bring you know if if someone you know suffers from schizophrenia or psychosis or anything like that and connect with powerful things like LSD or like shamanic uh, medicines. Ayahuasca and so are you on, so talking forth. about? Say again. Ayahuasca or ayahuasca? I'm talking about ayahuasca, but also San Pedro. Oh, okay. Right, Wachuma, which is uh, is masculine. The, the main component is masculine, right? Um, right. So very different in working. Uh, I mean, they, the, uh, ayahuasca and Wachuma work in two different ways, but obviously trigger you know similar parts of of the brain and so on and so forth. So uh, ayahuasca is more delicate, the for sure, more delicate. So um, um, Wachuma has a kind of like a different approach, but still, it's not it's not recommended for anybody that has um any any types of you know schizophrenia psychosis or um bipolar or anything like that you know but you know you bring humor within your story and that i find that to be amazing because so many lessons come from it you know so keep going on this journey i think there's so much more right so now you are <clears throat> Where are you? What, well, what age are we here? Okay, so I, I got out of the program in 1981. So I was, uh, I, I guess, 26. So I, that, that's when, once I got out of the program, I feel, is when my recovery really began because I got out of that, like, obsessive, mental, mentally ill, you know, analysis situation. So I went back to, I got my own apartment, which I still have. You see it behind me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University, which in the United States is popularly known as Fairleigh Ridiculous University. So it was like, it was, it was like a media famous university, a negatively famous university. But uh, I, I, so it took me about two years really before I, I was comfortable socially, you know, and, and able to reintegrate into like a, a normal, you know, social atmosphere uh, just because, you know, there was like so much trauma and so much programming within me that, you know, I was sick and that I never, you know, that things were wrong with me. And so it took me like two years to really like get integrate into my college, but I was always like an extremely good student. I mean, I, I was always getting into 4.0 and I would always go to the campus bar and, you know, hang out with people. And so, you know, I got respect because of my intellect, but, uh, you know, eventually people like started to see what a cool guy I was, you know, and uh, th that, that was really the start, the start of my real recovery because I, the, I think one of the, I mean, I, I talk about self-stigma a lot, you know, when it comes to schizophrenia. And, you know, that self-stigma comes not only from the, the outside in, outside 
you know, world, but also from the inside world. And, you know, there was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of shame about, like, you know, well, I caused my own schizophrenia, and I was in this program for five years, and I've been hospitalized, you know, 10 times, and all sorts of, like, negative experiences that, you know, I, I managed to, like, put a positive spin on it. I think the most important thing to my recovery was my sense of humor uh, because, you know, just because I, I was always happy, you know, people would say, you know, what's going on? What? And then, and then it got to the point where people would say, there's nothing wrong with you. You're the sanest person I know. And I'd say, see me without my medication. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. Wow. What are you saying is, you know, what are you saying about the, and I, it's so true, right? that stigma, the internal, but I mean, the outer, outside stigma people, but also the way we speak with ourselves when we start to believe something, right? That right. is, I was talking to a, to a, to a beautiful lady yesterday as well, uh, Sarah M, and she, she was talking about something. She said something very, very powerful. She said, you know, because she she um, escaped the uh, Khmer Rouge camps in Cambodia, uh, right. the killing fields and all of that. You know, so very powerful story. And at one stage, she she chose to escape. You know, and to 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 get out of there. But what she said towards the end of the show was that people are very easy. You know, it's easier for people to escape um, a, a prison that someone else might put them in there, but it's very hard to escape the prison they put themselves in there. And that is so powerful. That's very true. Oh, I agree with that completely. Absolutely. I, I, I for me, was, was like, whoa, this is so true. Because we get into a place, right, anxiety, schizophrenia, whatever it all is, right, whatever pain, it doesn't really matter, but... All of a sudden, we create this story for ourselves that it becomes our jail. And even though it's painful, it's it's kind of familiar and cozy, and we're scared to leave that place, right? Do you agree with that? Uh, it's comfortable. And, and I, I definitely went through that. And uh, I, I meant, I, 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 I went through it uh, up to, I turned 66 on uh, May 24th. So on my, on my 66th birthday, I woke up and I said, I'm going to put my labels, my programming, and my stigma behind me. And since then, I've grown, I, I've grown in the last six months more than I had in the previous, like, five years because I just, like, got that mindset that I'm beyond this, I, I'm beyond this diagnosis. And, you know, people have been telling me, you know, you got to change your story because you, you you're in prison, you, you're you're creating a prison for yourself and there's no need for it and you know you, you're a product of your own thoughts and if your thoughts are are negative then you're going to be negative and uh, I I always like try to keep a good attitude and to, to you know to be positive but deep inside there was always this like dark hole this black hole of like despair and anger and rage and you know and basically uh well, well to continue my story so uh what what happened was uh in 1984 after I, just as i was about to graduate from fairly 
uh, I, 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 I is Dale conceived as Dale, as Dale 1.0 conceived of the world as the never ending saga of duck versus muck. And I was the leader of the ducks and Dr. Buonanno was the leader of the mucks. And it was like a, a cosmic war that was going on. And so on September 27, 1984, I, uh, I, there was, in my mind, there was a muck offensive, fall offensive going on against campus, which was like my base of ducks. So I was crossing over the bridge to uh, campus at six o'clock in the morning and I had a series of flashes. And the last flash was seeing the, the entire earth destroyed in a thermonuclear holocaust. And I called that the death of Dale. And uh, so basically, I, I adopted a, a new personality. I became Dewey, Dewey Duck, or Dewey, actually Dewey Death. But, uh, and Death stood for Duck Elite, <clears throat> Duck Elite Alliance Attack, no, Duck Elite Attack Team Head. And it also stood for uh, Duck Emperor at Teenak Hackensack. So Death had like its own meaning for me, but basically I became Dewey and Dewey didn't think he was God. That was the end of Dale's God delusions, which destroyed him. But Dewey's delusion was uh, that he was a super android and his program was staying Hackensack until Dale comes back. And it took 31 years, but Dale finally came back. And wow. that, that period of being Dewey is the period where I really like uh, grew, I, I really like got well because I had to become someone else because Dale couldn't do it by himself. Wow. I, I, I really hope that if you're watching this or hearing to this, what Dale just said is that will change your life. If you take what Dale has said, it will change your life, period. The moment you get out of your way, that what you said, the moment I let go of me being God, thinking of I'm God, get out of the way and find, you know, go and become the person I want to be, right? It's not going to be that, that was also like the most desperate time in my life because huh? I built for the, for, for the previous 10 years, my whole life had been built around proving I was God. And once that delusion was shattered by, uh, by, by Dewey death, then I got so, I, I was in despair. I was, I wasn't suicidal. I was way beyond suicidal. It was like, I was in the ninth pit of hell and I went to the hospital and, you know, it was just like, it, it was like the worst point in my life. But on the other hand, it was a turning point in my life because I realized how sick I really was. And I also realized I wasn't God. And I also realized that Dewey was my savior and he was going to get me through this. I was going wow. to get through this as Dewey. Wow, man. Wow. And actually Dewey, Dewey has some uh, background. 
You'll be you you'll you'll like this one, Rodolfo. Oh, don't Please. worry about that. I'm liking every single bit of you, brother. I'm liking every single of the 38 minutes and five seconds of it, my uh, telling you that. Please carry on. So uh I my 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 first seven year joke was hi I'm God. So that one didn't turn out too well. So then I came up with the second seven year joke, which was you, you know I'm a Disney chipmunk because of Chip and Dale, but did you know I'm also a Disney duck? Well, my father's initials were Lou L-E-W. My initials are Do D-E-W. My best friend's name is Hugh, and Hugh's father's name was Donald. So you get Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Donald, which are the Disney ducks. So, uh, so my second seven-year joke was, what do you get when you cross the Disney chipmunks with the Disney ducks? <laughs> you know? Oh my God. no. You, you give up? Wait, what do you get when you cross the Disney chipmunks with the Disney ducks? I don't know. Me. <laughs> Oh my God, brother, you're amazing. Oh, far out. You are amazing. Listen, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting you. I truly freaking love you, man. You're amazing. Thank you. No bullshit. No bullshit. You have literally brought something into my life. You're changing something in my life. I know that. I know I can feel it. You are amazing, an incredible human being, incredible. And, man, you went through a journey of all your life, the ups and the downs and all of the pains and the laughter and the whatever. But today you're here and you are bringing something that this world will need so freaking much to take themselves a little bit less serious, to allow themselves to get out of the way and go and create whatever life they want. Take off the labels. Do not believe what society is telling you. And smile, freaking laugh. Have a joke along the way. Life isn't that serious after all. You're freaking amazing, man. Dude, you are freaking incredible. Right. Well, I, I, uh, Dr. Winona called me incredible one time and I thought it was like the greatest compliment he ever, he ever gave me. So I, I, I really appreciate that word when you use it, Rodolfo. Thank you. hundred percent. Listen, I, you know, if you, you can listen to all, you know, the other 60 plus episodes I had, you know, I take this very serious. I know that the only thing we can get anything time back today. We can get you buy something, you can get back money, you can get fucking another. If it's broken, they give you a new one. All is this shit, right? This is the world we live in. But time, nobody can give you back time. And for me, people who take a moment to stop by and have a chat with an un unknown person on the other side of the world and just share their story, that time to me is sacred. But not only that, also the time of people who are watching, people who are listening. Time is all we have. And I am in, I have no rights of robbing anybody from their time. They could, they could do a million other things. So 
having you here and sharing the way you share your story and the things that you are saying that are honestly, I hope people are gathering those things because those are freaking powerful. The moment you are, you know, you said the moment I stopped telling myself that I was God, I was allowing myself to move on and to heal. I had to let go of a belief, right? I had to do the same. Right? I had to stop saying that my mother didn't love me and she gave me away and I had to see the full story. She didn't not love me, but she was poor and she needed to, she wanted to create a better life for us and decided to give me away for certain years. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Then you said, I needed to see that I was sick so I could heal. And Epictetus says it that there's no worse person that wants to heal that doesn't accept that he's sick. Now, the word sick, I, I'm very mindful of saying this. Yeah. I don't believe we are sick, right? But there is things that need to be addressed. And sometimes it is what it is. So, But if we do not acknowledge that, that we need help, it's like when I attempted suicide back then, that was the first thing I said. I need help. I thought I could do everything by myself. I thought I was... I wasn't the same God as you because I didn't have that bliss in my life in, in that sense, but I still thought I could do everything myself. And it's not true. Sometimes you just got to reach out and acknowledge I can't do this by myself, right? So all of these things that you are sharing with so much humor and so much presence, brother, your presence is beyond... Um, human eyes looking your energy i mean it's coming through the screen okay there's something about you very 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 special and i understand you might not be god that i am sure but i think they gave he gave you something to represent absolutely that is very beautiful very very well, beautiful I got a couple of things to say in response. First off, I, I I finally I finally came up with the solution to my I'm God problem, and that was a simple equation, and the equation was God squared equals Dale cubed. <laughs> <laughs> and and then another thing, another thing that I wanted to say is what 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 one of my friends who I met in the hospital once said to me. She was a good friend of mine, and we were talking, and she says, no one realizes the pain of mental illness until you've been through it. And I think that's really true. Absolutely. And, and the third thing the third thing that came to my mind is what, what I'm doing is, try, is giving a voice and trying to end the stigma towards schizophrenia because very few other people can express themselves in the way I can. That is that is beautiful. I know one person that I will pass on this episode a thousand percent because it's it's um yeah. I, I this person he he has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Then he said that he wasn't diagnosed with schizophrenia. Now I don't know what he's diagnosed with. I think I think it probably might be. I do not know, but uh, that's how his journey started. So I'm not sure if, if now, you know, but anyway, he would like to work with me, but he, you know, I can't, I can't use 
the work I do that he would like me to uh, on his uh, on the way he is. It's just I can't do that. But I think your message is very strong, very powerful, and I feel that he could, by listening to you, understand there is other modalities to help, and they might not have to be to do with shamanism and entheogens and in, ingesting anything, but actually being able to do exactly what you did, except, okay, I need some help. Let me see what other options I have. And I really would like to, to understand a little bit how you did, you know, break, um, break the mold of self-condemnation or, you know, to end your own stigma. What was the steps that you went through to do that and kind of like slowly you know, transform into your version of today? Well, basically, I had to split myself into a multiple personality. Uh, I, 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 I have, I, I used to say, I, I, well, I used to have big, big, big discussion with Dr. Bonanno about whether I was a multiple personality or a schizophrenic, and he insisted that I was a schizophrenic. And then one day, someone uh, just just a random someone who from fairly came up to my apartment and i said i'm schizophrenic which i which i would tell everybody and um uh, he said well my mother's a nurse in a psych in a psych ward how many personalities do you have and i said five and he said okay cool but uh basically my you know i don't know if you know the the origin of schizophrenic, but it means shattered mind. And so basically my mind was, was divided between Dale, Dewey, Du, who's, uh, who's my grandfather figure, Duck, and Genius. Those are like my five basic personalities. And they would like come in and out. And, you know, my, my sister is a therapist and she has like a lot of uh, multiple personality people and she said you know I told her about this and she said I said but I can't be I can't be multiple because I'm I'm aware of all my personalities and she said well actually it just means you're a con multiple so that's where like <laughs> added fuel to the fire you know but basically uh ultimately what's 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 been going on for like the lot you know basically since Dewey came into the show I mean, Dewey didn't show up in Hackensack for nine months, and Dew and Genius like were ruling my body because that they they were the ones that my body knew had to be in charge of, of Hackensack and of, of my body until Dewey could actually manifest. And you know, and is ironically, it was nine months between uh, the death of Dale and the appearance of Dewey. So. You know that, that that's like perfect gestation period wow. for a baby, but uh, I I always said that Dewey was activated; he wasn't born because he was an android. So, uh, but basically, in order to like recover, I had to become an android. I couldn't be human, and so instead of like trying to prove that I was uh, I, I was a uh, I was God. I I tried to prove that I was an android by just like being trying to do every impossible task I could so that I became a I, I became a tutor at Fairleigh Dickinson, but I wasn't your normal tutor. I 
I wrote papers for Lazy Fairly Dickinson students. And my record was 30, uh, 36 pages and 18 hours, uh, six, seven papers, seven five-page papers in 36 hours. And uh, so, you know, so Dewey, Dewey was like superhuman because he, he just felt he had to be in order to like live up to the legacy of Dale and to be, make it possible for Dale to come back to Hackensack and reassume his life. And uh, so, as I said, that took 31 years. So I had 30 years of Dale and 31 years of Dewey. And then Dale came back. And as I said, on my 66th birthday, uh, I, I decided to get rid of every, all, all the illness, symptoms and everything. But I was doing breath work about a month and a half ago. And I really fully realized again my potential is stale because I finally got Dewey back to heaven where I felt he belonged. So, uh, so I that that was like the final reintegration of Dale into Dale. And I, I, I in that same breath work, I regressed back to the age of 15, which was the last year before I, I put foreign substances into my body. And so I, I basically restarted my life at, from my 15-year-old perspective, and I called it Dale 5.0. I'm going to grab a chair in a minute. I'm going to just <laughs> sit down and I'm gonna just listen to your story. It's It's like... I have never heard anything like this. It's amazing. The self-awareness of knowing what to do, when to do, and when to let go, and when to bring something in is incredible. I think I mean, I wish I had that. See, you're teaching me so many things. I wish I had that. I was never that self, how would I say? I was self-absorbed with my own bullshit and my misery and my self-pity because I was getting what I wanted. It was being loved and being sure that I was good enough. That was my sting, right? I never actually self-inquired myself, what could I do to actually get myself to a better place? What can I do? How can I let go of putting myself through agony and misery every single day and sleep my life away? I never asked that question. Where you went even further. Okay, what personality, what thing? And for someone outside might think, oh my God, this is all crazy. What, what do you mean personality and all that? We all have those personalities. We all have archetypes within us. And some are predominant and some are there to help us and so on. But sometimes we get stuck with one archetype and all of a sudden that archetype is directing your life. But once you bring in the other archetypes within our lives, all of a sudden everything changes because all of a sudden you feel the allies within you, that inner wisdom within you that can help you, right? And this is exactly right. what you are teaching me here. Right, today, I know about this because obviously my 11-year journey, and it's funny because you, you said 14 years is your, you know, your last 
journey. For me, it's 11, right? Right. I have learned all about those things. And this is what I do today with people. You know, when they come and, and, and ask me to, to, to help or support them, that's what I do. I take them on a journey, like exactly what you are doing right now with me, with, with people watching and, and people listening eventually. You know, you have to ask different questions. Not what if this never ends, but how can I progress? It's a completely different question. And Another question I think you, ha you have to address is you got to stop asking what ifs. You got to stop That's asking right. yourself what ifs in the past. You know, yep. it's like because, you know, what if I'd never done LSD? What if, yep. what if I'd never gotten taken away from And th those questions will just drive you crazy. Absolutely. And, and one, one, one thing, well, one, one thing that Dale 1.0 was always very big on was biogenetic predestination. And just the idea that he, his life was, was predestined and he was doing exactly what he had to do in order to fulfill his destiny. And, you know, I, I believe much more in free will now but on the other hand, that, that, that idea of like biogenetically, you know, engineered predestination and a, and a, a predestined, uh, you know, fate is, is something that still hangs with me because I just look at myself and I said, you know, I'm a, you say I'm incredible and, you know, I understand where you're coming from. But to me, it was just like I just did what I had to do to get well and to to, to survive, not only get well, not just to get well, but just to survive, you know, and, and, and for 15 years, you know, my obsession was to avoid long-term hospitalization because I was hospitalized 15 times in my life. And I say this very proudly, I got out every time. Cause you're freaking amazing. Honestly. I mean, I'm not saying you're incredible just to, throw a word out there but i know how hard it is i know how hard it is i mean obviously I, I don't have schizophrenia or anything like that but any challenge is our own challenge and every challenge is hard it doesn't matter what the challenge is in the end right but the moment you ask different questions the moment you take yourself out of the way the more the moment you you're looking to become the person you want to be like you said earlier you know i had to become that person i had to go on a quest to become that person and i say that to my clients all the time that they want to be happier or this or that or want to achieve stuff whatever i ask always that who do you need to become to be able to have that to get that because the version of you today it's not going to get it the version of us today got us where we are today that's it it's not going to get right. us to where we want to go. We have to become that person. And the lessons you are sharing is so powerful because you constantly be, be worked to become the 1.0, or the 2.0, and now 5.0. Nobody gave you that or nobody came with a red pill or a blue pill and say, just get this and tomorrow you'll be all good. That shit doesn't exist. It's hard work. It's hard work. And you know, you, you started with the story about feeling like you were God and whatever, whatever. But I think that is so important because, I mean, and this is not a religious 
show by any stretch uh, any stretch I'm, i'm not religious per se i am i am i'm spiritual though i i believe there is something bigger than me i believe all of that but if you believe that you only can do stuff by yourself and you don't need anybody and this and that and that what's going to change not much right, right? well Well, I, I always I always felt that the reason I said I was God was so that I could give God a vacation. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that will be a that will be I that will be a crazy ass job, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! But tell me, what makes what do you think makes your journey with schizophrenia? different than someone else's the end result mm-hmm. I, i i feel that like i said i feel that i i can explain and be a be a model for schizophrenia that's like totally going to shatter the illusions and the stigmas and the pe and the way people want to think about schizophrenia because you know the you know whether it's a god mission or my soul mission that's why i feel i'm on earth is to like really make mental illness something that people want to look at and really understand rather than just like say well he's a mental case or you know i mean someone's yelling at a bus stop and they say well he's mental or or even worse you know every time there's a mass shooting the first the first thing people say is He must have, he must have mental illness and you know it's unfair and you know I, I'm a, obviously I've known a lot of schizophrenics and I had one friend who who was, was just as uh, you know just recovered or whatever you want to call him as much as I was he died of a brain tumor about 10 years ago but uh, he he'd been a military policeman in Germany guarding nuclear weapons and there was a uh there there was a nuclear drill and uh someone started passing the hash pipe around uh around the the bunker where they were guarding the nuclear weapons and chucky uh instead of not only did he not take any hash but as soon as the drill was over he reported everybody to the uh co so he became like the the base narc and it got to the point where uh he had like 10 guys chasing him with baseball bats that wanted to kill him and uh he locked himself in a room on the first floor luckily and they put lighter fluid under the door to like smoke him out so he jumped out the window ran off the base until he was due for his uh, his duty the next day but uh he that basically started his journey towards schizophrenia and he he was like you know like one of the funniest greatest guys i've ever known in my life and you know but you know i mean he he was the exception i have i have i have like a lot of schizophrenic friends who haven't who never made it you know i mean they're they're, they're going to be in group homes their whole life they're going to be you know struggling to find the right medication And uh, just to uh, lighten up the, the idea, the uh, conversation, he didn't even ask me about my poetry, Rodolfo. 
I'm not finished yet, mate. I'm not finished yet. But 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 that's really that's really you know what I mean. That's why I want to be. I became a coach to the families of schizophrenics, is because you know, I call them the forgotten victims of mental illness. Because you know if you have if you're diagnosed and you have your doctor, you have your social worker, you have your therapist and everything, but the families are so often like much more in need of help than the people themselves who are diagnosed and. You know, they, they have no place to turn. And uh, so basically, you know, I, I just, I, I want to use my experience and my, with the illness from an inside out point of view and and with the mental health system to like guide, help guide them so that not only can they help help their loved ones who's affected, but also they can re regain and reclaim their own integrity of self. That's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Imagine having for someone that is going through, you know, schizophrenia and doesn't know how, and all of a sudden there you are, you know, bringing your knowledge, bringing your wisdom and all the lessons you have learned along the way. Man, wow. I mean, how old are you today? Or how young are you today, I should say, Dale? 66. Yeah, wow. Wow. So I've, I've, been on, I've been on this journey for 46 years. Wow. What, what, what could you, if there is advice, you know, obviously this is, you know, we, have, we don't have a long time to give someone a lot, a lot of things, but if you, if, if you had an advice or, or a few steps or something, that you could share with someone that might perhaps go through the same. What advice could you give someone that is listening or watching? Uh, well, if you if you're if you're diagnosed yourself, love yourself and don't let don't let the what people tell you don't believe what people tell you, but believe what you know yourself. And also, but also be willing to listen. I, I mean that that that's that's the problem with. I, uh, I don't know if you know the term agnosognosia. No. Well, agnosognosia is, is taken from a neurology and it's from stroke victims. And it means that a person is unable to realize that they're, that they're sick. Or right, that they, so, uh, and uh, there, there's a book called I'm Not Sick and I, I, I Don't Need Help by Dr. Javier Amador, A-M-A-D-O-R. And it's about his experiences with his schizophrenic brother. And he, uh, he he's become like the advocate for like Agnes Ignosia awareness. But uh, apparent, according to him, and I believe, you know, I, I, I don't think he, you know, just a dad or anything, but according to him, 46% of schizophrenics have agnosognosia. So they're unable not only to recognize that they need, that they are ill. You know, I, I use I use that imbalanced. I like better, but they don't realize they're imbalanced. But they also don't even realize they have symptoms. So yeah, and so. Uh, so 
you know, I guess my advice to the people who are diagnosed is try to have perspective and 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 just open your open your ears and your eyes to the possibility that you do need help. And for my clients, the families, I would say always treat your loved ones with respect, honesty, faith, and just and patience. Yeah. That presence, that presence of being there for the loved ones and giving the time, that is so crucial. That is so, so important. And what are you saying, uh, you know, is exactly, you know, Hippocrates back in the days, he said, this, you know, you can't help a person that doesn't, you know, believe he's sick, right? Wants help, right? So it's totally true. I mean, I spent 40 years of my life thinking I was all right. And instead, you know, I woke up one day and I was watching at a, at a rope in my garage and was about to, to jump off a stool. So until there, I, I didn't know I had anxiety. I didn't know. I, I felt miserable, but I didn't, I could, like, I do not have that. Like, not me, everybody else, but I'm not that, Right very hard for for but that doesn't just go for schizophrenia or anything else many things right well, it, it, in my own case it was watching the incineration of the entire earth to make me believe to make me see that i wasn't god wow wow what a journey my friend what a journey yours has been now tell me, I want to know a little bit about your poetry and all that stuff, because I well, really love to hear one poem if you have something ready or I, if you can hear something. I, I have two introductory poems about about my journey. So what? Two? Not one. Two. We got two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I want to so, hear him. I want to hear him. Okay, and and the form is called. Uh, it's a. I I I'm always coming up with different poetic forms. So this is one of my favorite forms. I call it a dale, and it's six words a line and two sets of nine rhymes apiece. So that might sound complex, but I'll just I'll give you an example. And this one's called Dale reviewing what actually happened. Well advanced at becoming Bob Frost to Dartmouth I my mind lost and was for my relief tossed, put into therapy considerable cost to have my brain teeth lost by the doctor whom he bossed every night after I get sauced, doing my duty at my post in the hospital where I was host, and met the beautiful female Jill for whom over dale over hill I trekked when I was ill, until I found the perfect pill to keep chemical and balance demons still, which made romantic chances virtually nil, even while, even even while perfecting my poetic skills, I hope will pay the bills for sodas on which I fill. Wow. And then the second one, this is Please. this is my this is my second introductory poem. Hi, I'm God was a joke I made after Killer Dartmouth toke of some I, primo Ivy League smoke, which apparently caused me to croak because in mental hospital I awoke with Rumi Gabriel's a main bloke who did my delusions angelically stroke, while doctor claimed my brain broke the moment of lying gag I spoke. 
testifying I was only a bit quack, which clinicians diagnosed a psychotic attack, preventing me from getting sanity back until I came to Teaneck Hackensack to pursue resident therapy program track and deal with my evident lack of reason among psychiatric patient pack who never gave me any slack. Under interrogation, the story didn't crack. <laughs> Oh. It's a good day I today. It's a good day. I got 4,500 poems. Say again? I have 4,500 poems. Oh my God, really? Yeah, well, I, I figured God had to produce. <laughs> 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 you got to cut the slack. <laughs> <laughs> man listen dale i mean i do shows nearly every day and you know not taking anything away of any people that came on the show because they're all absolutely amazing and with powerful stories and So many gifts and, and, and that are doing today beautiful, beautiful things for this world that needs it so bad. But, you know, as always in life, there are, there are the ones that stand out, right? They're not outshining others. I don't believe in that. But they just stand out. And in my deepest heart, I... I I truly feel you stand out. You, Thank you. you. You are, yeah, you are, yeah, your story, your way, you, who you are is amazing. <laughs> Honestly, I, it's truly amazing. It's, you're a good man. You're a good man. You're a good man. And I'm 52 years old, and I, I, I'm telling you, you're just a little older of my brother. My brother's 64. He's 66. And from a man to a man, I, I want to say to you, you're, you're a good man. You're a beautiful man. You're, you're, a, you're yeah. So I, I feel so blessed <laughs> to, have, to have you here. And, man, I want to officially here live and people will listen i i want to speak with you every so often every so often and and just be showered by wisdom and humor and understanding and patience and resilience and never giving up until you get to where you want to go I, I, I think I think I'd love to chat with you every so often and just. Well, I, I, I'd love to come back. I, if you if you want to, I'd love to come back, Rodolfo. I, Absolutely. I, I mean, this is this is probably the the biggest opportunity I've ever had to like really present my stories. So I appreciate that too, and you know that takes an amazing person to like just be able to listen to me because like most people after 15 minutes they're going ah yeah, yeah. 
But this is this is live artist radio, my friend. This is different. The reason why I feel it's different, and 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 honestly, I, I have been blessed by people telling me, you know, once we get off the show and we're not finished yet, so there's 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 more things coming. But you know, they they oftentimes they they say, you know, I really felt comfortable, and I really felt that this was wasn't just a question and answer kind of thing, but it was just two people talking and just sharing life. And trust me, I had a guy, I, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, um, DP Newton, uh, Knuton, um, from the US as well. And he's a, he's a copywriter and he reached out to me because he heard the show and he said, man, I, I would love to come on the show. And this is a little bit about my background. So he sends me through his his bio and a little bit of things that he does and I go on his website because I don't do super a lot of research either because I want to be like people who listen for the first time. I want to be the same. I don't want to know a lot because otherwise it takes away the whole story, right? So, but I did go and, and check check out just real quick. And it was, he's a branding expert. He's a, you know, copywriter. And so it's, it's it has nothing, to, you know, not much to do with what we do. So I said that to him, I said, listen, this, you know, the show is about this and so on and so forth and whatever. And he said, you know what, brother, I, um, I, um, you know, I, I, I am sure the, bo- the, the show is, will not be, will not be boring. And that, that little thing sentence got me right. And I said, okay, we, you're on. And, um, before we started to go live, I actually said to him, listen, man, I will not ask you no question about branding. I will not ask you anything about copywriting because this is not the show about it, but I would just want to have a chat with you. And man, that was such a great show. Because all of a sudden, this man shared all of his gifts interconnected with branding, interconnected with copywriting, sharing stories and everything. And we had a ball, an absolute ball. and would have been a shame to not have him on. So what we do here is exactly what we do right now. Just two men talking and just being vulnerable and honest and, and, and sharing things and and. And this is why I think Life Artist Radio is is this has this different flavor somewhere, um, and I enjoy every single moment that I get to to speak. and And speaking with you today has been just mind blowing, mind blowing for me, absolutely mind blowing. So anyway, enough of that. Um, what else do I want to know? Because honestly, um, maybe one thing. Let me just. So for someone, I'm just trying to to put it out there now to people. Okay. So for someone that is going through schizophrenia and doesn't have the right support and the inner voice, the inner villain is telling them that something is wrong with them, that they're broken or there's no way out of this or, or whatever you know, all of those things that we can create in our mind. What could they do to find a way to take that first step? Like you said, okay, I, I need to put Dell to rest and I have to get doing. How could they do that? 
Well, that that that's what I've been trying to figure out, uh, to tell you the truth, because it, it's like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Brilliant Mind, about yes. uh, about John Nash, the mathematician, schizophrenic, yes. who, and he he won the Nobel Prize for like game theory or something or mathematics, and uh, you know. Everybody like used that as an example of a movie, uh, a truthful movie about schizophrenia, and I'm sure it was. But you know, people asked me about it, and I said, "Well, it, it was it was a faithful tale of schizophrenia, but was it my schizophrenia?" And you know, therefore, uh, I meant for me to say to someone, you know, you should do this or you should try that. You know, is really presumptuous because uh, I, I'm at j j just in, in my coaching business. You know, I, I've been exposed to like the many faces of schizophrenia, and sometimes it's violent, sometimes it's hopeless, sometimes it's happy like me, and and it's just like the uh, you know the variety of of, of pathology. Is so great that you know uh, I can't I I wouldn't presume to be able to tell somebody I, I mean all I would tell them is just try to be aware and excuse me I have to blow my nose that's okay just be aware and consider the possibility that you know there is something wrong and take your med try take try to take the medication. And I know that you're going, you know, the medication can make you feel terrible and made me feel terrible too. And I fought it for like 15 years. But ultimately, you know, once I stopped fighting the medication, then things started getting better a lot quicker. And so, you know, if you ask me what, what I would tell somebody, I guess that would be it is just, you know, accept the fact that, you have an illness. You have it's a chemical imbalance in your brain. It's nothing that personal. It's nothing that you've done, and the chemical imbalance in your brain needs to be addressed. And the only way to do that is medication. And I I, I get a like like a lot of pushback on this because I I'm at, if I I feel that if it wasn't for medication I would have been hospitalized permanently like 35 years ago so uh you know just just like even if you don't believe in it and even if if at first you know it, it makes you feel terrible just like put up with the put up with the pain for a while and just look at yourself and see what the medication is doing for you and uh i, I guess that, that that would be my like biggest piece of advice to someone who's diagnosis is just like you know don't don't fight I, I mean you can fight your psychiatrist you can fight the system but don't fight your medication because medication is what gets you through yeah well well this is this is uh you know it's it's serious right i mean like you said there's different types you had the happy one so you're good but yeah there's a lot of people that do struggle a lot i mean schizophrenia is a serious thing right well the, the you know people say, used to ask me you know what's what, what do you like when you don't take your medication and i would say 
it's like I'm taking a hit of, uh, five hits of acid every every four hours because yeah. what happens is the the, the chemicals and the neurotransmitters in your brain they they just keep firing so the medication like controls the neurotransmitter it controls the dopamine levels and so your your neurotransmitters can basically work the way they're supposed to but you know scientifically i mean people don't know why these drugs work but they do and so you know basically the neurotransmitters if you aren't take if you're schizophrenic if you're really schizophrenic and that's another thing is that a lot of people are misdiagnosed you know i mean they they it used to when 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 i was being first treated you had to show symptoms for six months before you would get a a, a, a diagnosis of schizophrenia and now you know people take say mushrooms uh you know to, you know od on mushrooms for you know for like five days they're put in the hospital and immediately they're they're like classified as schizophrenic and that that's one thing that i'm that i that really bothers me because you know schizophrenia I, I used to say it's not a death sentence, but it is a life sentence. And, uh, you know, a lot of the things that people say are schizophrenia or either depression or drug-induced or trauma-induced or other, you know, otherwise caused by, and, and it's not the real chemical imbalance in the brain that's going on. It's something else that's, that's like imba imbalanced momentarily in the brain, but it's not a permanent imbalance but schizophrenia is a permanent imbalance i see i see so for for someone like me that doesn't know much about it what would be are they certain symptoms that you would look out for if those are if those are there that, that that's what it is well of course of course the the most the most famous and most obvious symptom is a uh, hearing voices or see or, or visual hallucinations and uh, so that's why you see people standing you know to use the example of the guy standing at the bus stop who's yelling at the void you know he's hearing voices and and thank thank goodness I, I've only hallucinated one time in my life and I won't go into that one but it, it was it, 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 it was a totally different situation but I've never, I've never heard voices. I've never hallucinated visual. Even when I was on LSD, I never hallucinated. So, uh, so, but you know, if you if you're experiencing symptoms, that's where the the hell of agnosognosia comes in because you don't know you're experiencing symptoms. And you know, Dr. Amador says, you know, that 46 people. It's now in the DSM, the, the the diagnostic manual about about agnosognosia is a symptom of the illness itself, and therefore, you know, you, you, it's not denial because you aren't aware that there's anything to be denied. So, consequently, uh, but what I'm going to say is that 46 percent of people with serious mental illness suffer from agnosognosia. And that's like the number one uh, indicator of whether they'll be compliant with treatment or not.
So half the people with with serious mental illness aren't going to comply with with, with, with the treatment because they don't think they're sick. Mm. That, that, that's a very scary statistic. And, and now listen to that, definitely. I mean, you know, I knew that, I, I, I guess, well, today I know that I was anxious and depressed, but at the time I was kind of like avoiding that part. You know, you know, I, w- I, I didn't want to make that but, um But yeah, but yeah, so that, that is definitely a very, very um, uh, a dangerous place to be if you don't acknowledge that something is wrong, you know, and that you can... Do something about it, then it gets it can get yeah dangerous very quickly. It's, it's not it's not a matter of acknowledgement, Rodolphus. It's a matter of unawareness. There's a big yeah, awareness. Difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unawareness. I mean, you you don't even see. You, right. you can't consider there's something wrong with you. Right. No matter how bad your symptoms are, or how you know how you know, I mean, take the person that like locks all the doors and throws away all the phones in the house because he thinks he's being tailed by the FBI. You tell him that you're crazy and he'll he'll just like react angrily and say, you know, you're you're a spy for the FBI. So, you know, that that, that lack of awareness is is really like one, one of the major roadblocks to recovery. And that's what you just said now is exactly what what that gentleman that I was talking to you about earlier, what he was doing. You know, he was, yeah, he was always feeling like there was someone behind him, you know, be, you know, after him, I should say. And, and yeah, so that, that, but I, I signed, I uh, wrote down that book. I don't, um, I'm not sick and I don't need help. And uh, so I definitely want to read that and and uh, get to Javier spelled X A V I E R. Okay. X. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Javier. Javier Amador. A M A D O R. I would recommend it for anybody who's interested in schizophrenia. Yeah. No. Definitely. I definitely read that. I'll definitely read that for sure. Um. Wow! Wow! Man, what a what a chat, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so now we come to you know we we kind of coming back to towards the end of the show, but before that we're gonna go through a little process here, which is quite one of my favorite part of the show as well. And there's a part when you got your date and time sorted out and you had a few questions to answer. There was one answer that most people, you know, tell me that, what is this answer about? This is weird. And the, and the question was, what is your favorite song, right? And so now we're going to listen to that song that you shared with me. I didn't hear it yet. So I always try to not listen to the song. Sometimes I know the song, but most of the times I don't. And I hear him with the person for the first time. So um, I'm going to play the song and then I'm going to go come back and we're going okay. to ask you a question. Is that cool? Okay. Okay. Awesome. Let's do this. I don't want to be the girl who laughs the loudest. 
So this is pink, sober. What does what does this song mean to you, Dale? Uh, well, pink is is my biggest guilty pleasure. So uh, I think she's like one of the greatest artists that ever lived, and uh, that that song just basically sums up my whole journey. And you got me a little teary. Oh, brother, I know how you feel, because I feel like that every single time, my friend. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Pink Pink is amazing. She, she, I mean, one, one thing that I most respect about her is she fights for her children and her husband and, and their marriage. You know, it's... it's I don't know if you know Pink at all. Do you know Pink at all? Yes, I do. My wife loves Pink. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I but think- uh, she, 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 um, she says on her latest album, there, there's like a, it's a live album, and she's talking, and she says, you know, I, I want to make, I want to be able to take the pain from everybody and and turn it into my pain. So I can express this for for the world. Wow. Or something like that. Something to that effect. This is why I put the song choice at the end of the questions when people sign up to come on Life Artist Radio. And oftentimes people don't know why they put that song. And oftentimes when we get to the moment of the song, they say, yeah, uh, uh, there's many songs, but I'm not sure. This one, I thought this one, right? And every time we listen to the song, the song is exactly perfect. It's what we just spoke about, and it kind of puts like a little bow around the whole story, you know? And I, and I find that to be very, very profound, very special, very, very sacred, a sacred moment between two people two men today, sometimes it's a man and a woman, but today there's two men here talking about life and about the ups and the downs and the sideways and trying to figure out. Sometimes, you know, we all were 21 one time, we all were 10, we all were five, we all were born. And now today, listening to this, everybody is wherever they are. I'm 52, you're 66. We all had our own journey, and the journey never ends. It's still to go, and the story isn't over until it's over, and 
I believe we have to wait until that day, that last moment, to realize what this story was really about. Because sometimes people, and I was one of them, and thank God I didn't follow through, but sometimes people stop halfway because they feel that this, the rest of the story is just going to be this, and they give up. Where all you want to do is just carry on, just carry on and look for for help, or look for people who can support you, look for inspirational stories like this one, and not not pep talk. Pep talk do nothing. Pep talk is like a hot shower; it doesn't do nothing. And but listen to the stories of real people that don't hold anything back, and that you know. I think this and the song puts puts the end of all this for this chapter, which is today's episode, I guess. Right, and and I really want to thank you, man. And I said thank you a million times throughout the show, but yeah, man, I'm grateful for you. I really am. I really am grateful for you. I truly am. So, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that, and. You know, that, that means more to me, that, you know, than all the money in the world is just like being appreciated. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're a genius. I think you're a special human being. I think, I think um, God is playing you in a very, in very funny way. So you're not God, but I think you're played by it. And uh, he's playing God's you very, very well. Cool. God squared equals Dale cubed at Rodolfo. <laughs> what a legend. Listen, I got one more question for you before you can have the mic and finish off whatever you want to share, say, whatever it all is. But my last question to you is, is a question I ask everybody before we get out of here. And the question is, if you could ask yourself a question, and give yourself the answer. What question? What question would you ask Dale Walsh? Why doesn't Why doesn't anybody believe I'm God? <laughs> and the answer is because Dale doesn't believe he's God. Mm. <laughs> wow. I was I was always aware of a high of the higher power that was guiding me. So, you know, that's why I said, you know, I just figured out God needed a vacation, so I took the job. And what a job you're doing, my friend! It's an outstanding job. So, I'm gonna leave you the mic for for a moment. For you to finish off, say whatever you want to say, share whatever you want to say, share whatever it is. The mic is yours, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, the most important thing you can do is to be yourself and to know yourself. And, and the fact is that that's the hardest thing in the world to do because people are always going to tell you what to do and how to be. And you just have to stand up for yourself and say, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going through this with my sister at the moment. And it's like very hard, but you know, I'm standing up for my own autonomy and my own independence. And 
you know, it's causing some waves in our relationship. But ultimately, you have to be true to yourself and to, you know, see that the more true you are to yourself, the more shit you're going to have to go through. And I'll, I'll just end it there. And I, I wish you all the best for that. And I totally, 100% agree with what you're doing. Be yourself, know who you are, and stand for something, whatever that is for you. And if there is any ways, any ways, I could be of any support to you, you reach out anytime. And it will be an honor, an honor. I truly mean this, an honor to serve you and support you and whatever. All you do is carry on because who you are does not need to be changed one iota. It will perhaps over time, but right now, the version you are right now, I love it. And just carry on. My teacher, my teacher before he passed away in Peru, one of my teacher that I learned the art of shamanism on his last ceremony on his last time that we held a ceremony for 28 people together uh, in the jungle of Peru. He was very ill. He was suffering from amyloidosis and he was on his way out. He was very, very ill. And when he wrapped it up, I stayed back because I was continuing on for another few weeks on my own journey. And he left and I will never forget and he said, you carry on, hermano. Hermano means brother, right, in Spanish. And he said, you carry on, hermano. You carry on. And I want to say that to you. You carry on. You carry on, my friend. And Thank whatever you, you do, if I can so serve you, you, reach out. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope, I, I hope we'll, we'll see each other on, on this platform again sometime soon. Oh my God, you bet, you bet, you freaking bet. I will, I will talk to you many more times, my friend. Just hang out, talk, and share. And I love to read to that book. When that book is ready, I would love for you to, and I'm happy to pay for it, no problems about that. I would love to have a signed copy from you as, 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 it will be an in, enormous gift um, to have that in my, in, my, in my library, in my life, and read your story through your book. So, and when, when, one last thing about my is, writing is uh, I, I have five books at Amazon. On, you go to Amazon and, and books, and you put Poetry Collection by D.E. Wolf. And... I have five books there, so you can look them up, and uh, maybe your audience will too. I, 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 I want to, I, I want to get those books out because I, I think they deserve to be read. So, poetry collection by the poetry, poetry book, a book, poetry. A poetry book collection. I uh, know poetry book. Oh, that's it. Po poetry book by D.B. Walsh? D.E. Dale D.E. Okay, D.E. Okay, Walsh. 
Okay, DE, Delta Echo, right? DE. Yeah, Delta Echo. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. I will put that in the, um, I will go and grab all the links of your books. I'm going to put them in the notes. So anybody that is listening to the show, they can go out there and press along and go and get and get your books. All right. Whatever I can do to support you, man. And whenever you need me through your journey with your sister and whatever, if you just feel like talking, if you feel like debriefing, if you feel like wanting a different opinion, perception, what perspective, whatever, or just shoot some talk with a cup of coffee or tea, whatever you drink. Right. I'll be right there if you wish. Okay. I appreciate that. That means so much to me, Rodolfo. And it's been a real pleasure meeting you. And thank you for having me on your show. And I'm glad you were so impressed. Oh, my God. I am. I am over the moon i will listen to this again while i'm editing um and i man i freaking love this and i love you brother so here we are and we're gonna wrap it up this is another episode coming to an end of life artist radio today with dale walsh which absolutely blow my mind and i really hope um it blows yours we actually had one person watching the whole show pretty much and i want to thank you and i'm not sure who you are but i hope you can just uh send a little message in the comments and just tell us um you know we really appreciate you and for anybody listening to the show i i thank you for spending your time with us today and if this show or this uh sharing the story of dell today inspired you please subscribe to the podcast make sure that i am able to send you a notification for another story that will come up in the future and if you feel that this story could inspire or could serve someone of your loved ones family friends whoever that you could feel that it could benefit please share it on all of your platforms uh and remember that anything that I g- is given to us is not for us to keep but to be shared um so it's it's been an absolute honor to be here and having you listening in again if you go to www.ultimatesuccess.me there's a free giveaway from me to help you take that first step to find your why to get a little bit of a structure to own your day rather than letting perhaps the day own you ultimatesuccess.me if you want to be on the show or you want to send a message podcast at lifeartists.me i am rodolfo de angeli This was another episode of Life Artist Radio. I thank you. I wish you well. God bless you. I'll talk to you very, very soon. Ciao.